Welcome to Chief Digital Heroes, where we celebrate those who lead the charge on all things digital transformation at the world's most innovative banks and financial institutions. Here's your host, Matthew Van Niekerk, CEO and founder of Settlement. Now, let's jump right into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening to another episode of Chief Digital Heroes. Today, I'm speaking with Lois from the People's Own Savings Bank in Zimbabwe. Lois, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks for having a chat with me today. Thanks for having me. It's a great day today. Great. So we're going to get into a couple of questions. Uh, so why don't we kick it off? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like uh, your background and how you ended up at the People's Own Savings Bank in Zimbabwe? Okay, I'll do so. Um, it's been quite an interesting journey, actually. I started off as a nurse, and I served for 10 years in government hospitals. I keep referring to my nursing background, even if it's now a technology environment, because it molded me into who I am today. And there's a lot of things that I learned from nursing that I still carried forward to this day. Okay, after serving for 10 years in the hospitals, I had the opportunity to attend the launch of the NCR machines in Atlanta. That was in the early 80s. And the technology then fascinated me so much. During that stay as well, I got invited to ground zero of the launch of the Columbia Space Shuttle. You can imagine the technology that was in use then I really got hooked into technology. When I came back, I started studying IT. So I obtained a higher national diploma in systems analysis. This paved way for me to start doing my degree in business studies and computing science, which I completed with the University of Zimbabwe and launched myself into the IT space. I was taken in as a graduate trainee by the bank, the very same people's own savings bank. I trained in all facets of banking for two years and then culminated in me being a business analyst in IT. Within a very short space of time, I found myself promoted to manage the department as the IT manager then. Then economy happened and I left the country. So I took a hiatus of five years. I left the country and went to East Africa. In East Africa, I started off teaching computing science to students. This also enlarged my territory because I began to learn other new facets of technology during that time of teaching the students. I also got employed as an assurance manager for Microsoft uh, products. Uh, again, the training there was quite intense and it exposed me to the security training and uh, further product developments for Microsoft. After five years, I came back into the country and got a job again at the bank, now as the IT executive. And my journey has just continued along that trajectory with several promotions culminating in the chief information officer for the bank. So mm -hmm. that's been my journey. There are many challenges that you face along the journey as well. I wouldn't say it's been uh, an easy ride. You know, being a woman, uh, there's already stereotyping and uh, a gender bias that goes along with the position. 
IT jobs are mainly male-dominated. You will find women hardly rise to the top because of the hours that are called in for and the amount of reading that one needs to do. The work-life balance is a bit uh, taken to task during that time. So, yeah, I have managed to work through those challenges to date through a lot of training and also through learning how to manage my hours, my travel times, and my business side. Wow, that's an incredible journey, going from a nurse to the IT sector, focused on banking, through to a teacher, then working for Microsoft, and back in the bank, and and rising up uh, to the, the CIO position. I can imagine that the journey must be an inspiration for people around you, and especially for women who see that you've been able to, to rise to the top. So that's uh, an amazing story. And I, I hope that we can help it be told here. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, it's been quite a journey. And that journey has also seen me get a lot of awards as I progressed in it. Starting off with that nursing background that I spoke about, where yeah. I came out as the best nursing training. And I've also gone on to win the Female Executive Award of the Year. That is the national awards in country here. And I've also been awarded as the Chief ICT Risk Officer of the Year, and I've also been awarded another one for leading the Women and Girl-Child ICT Motivator. So I'm enjoying the journey. Yeah. So, Moise, you'd probably be interested to hear one interesting statistic about the company that I started. We actually have an inverse gender pay gap. So women get paid more in my company than men do. Uh, within something, if it we're you know, it's a tech company, and and we we have a really hard time finding a gender balance, and we haven't got we're doing things to get that right. But at least women get paid more. I'm proud of that. Actually, it's nice to show that we're, there's not like some kind of a stealing on with us. It's uh, I think companies can do a lot in order to impact uh, the imbalances that we have in society. Oh, well done, well done on that scope. We we cannot outrule the boys' club. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. are very much aware of it. And uh, women are known to not negotiate as hard as men. As a result, in most cases, they end up disenfranchised on salaries. Right. Yeah. And we, we all have to do our part to, when we get to, uh, to a leadership position to be the, the voice of change and, and the engine of change, I guess. That's uh, the role that you're in a position to, to now take. So that congratulations. And, but can I get back to the, the role of the, the CIO and... and Tell us, uh, the audience would like to know, you know, what does a typical day look like for you? Okay. In my typical day, I will start off by just getting through my emails, getting through my communication for the day, just to encourage me to plan my day. So that will involve looking at my diary, looking at my calendar, rearranging my times, prioritizing, getting feedback from my team for the different projects that we run. And also just checking up with the chief executive officer if there are any areas that he would want me to pay particular attention on a particular day. So there are meetings, there are collaborations with vendors, uh, and I have strategic planning issues. I've got to keep tracking the strategy and ensuring that we are delivering on our projects. I'll check on the budgets to ensure that we don't overrun our budget. If there's any variation that I require, I would get uh, with our financial teams. If there are any projects that are running, there is project management aspect. 
I would do liaise with the project managers just to ensure that we are within our scope and we are following our deliverables as much as we can. There's also time to learn. Sometimes I attend webinars. Sometimes I've got magazines, newspapers, or conferences. Sometimes I will schedule some conferences if I have any. And then uh, networking and relating with others as well is also part of my daily routine. We are in a very dynamic environment at the moment. So exchanging ideas and sharing how we could resolve certain problems with my network is also very helpful for me. So that's really like a typical day <laughs> in sounds a mouthful. Like a full, yeah, it sounds like a full day. Definitely a, a mouthful or a full day for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so looking at um, DOSB, how would you summarize the state of digital transformation at the bank today? Yeah, the digital transformation is really a topical issue nowadays. We are looking at uh, delivering our mandate through digital channels. So that affects the way we operate, the way business is conducted, the way we look at customer experience, the way we look at uh, operational excellence. So our efforts are channeled towards delivering all these mandates through the digital transformation path. So we look at all our touch points, which could be mobile banking, which could be the USSD banking, internet banking, uh, banking all experiences, well, post machine delivery, and try to ensure that we are working towards attaining in a super excellent customer experience on the digital path. So there's quite a lot of investment in skilling. There's a lot of investment in uh, hardware tooling. There is a lot of investment in cybersecurity, exploring also the cloud space to ensure that whatever we can load up in the cloud, we do so, and that minimizes on uh, skills loss because we also are experiencing a lot of skills attrition. I'm yeah. sure you are aware. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yes. Talent, talent is hard to find and hard to keep. It's a definitely in short supply. Yeah. And so the, the bank is under your guidance has, um, I understand, a very clear digital strategy. Does the bank also have, um, is it a mobile, is it an online bank or is it, do you also combine that with branches as well? We have a combination. We have branches. We actually have 37 branches countrywide, but we try to ensure that our customers or our clients can transact from their homes through mobile banking, through internet banking. Yeah. yeah. Understood. And how far in the digital transformation journey are you, you know, is, it, is there a light at the end of the tunnel from transformation perspective? Or how would you characterize where you are in that uh, that journey from having uh, the bank branches to a fully supported online offering? Uh, can you share a little bit of insight, like the history of the bank? Uh, where did it come from? Where is it today? And how much further is there to go? Okay, maybe I'll approach your question from the revenue generated perspective. 95% of our revenues are generated by digital channels. Wow. So we, we have quite a lot of development happening on the digital channels. We have a mobile banking app that we use. It is linked to a lot of other MNO wallets. We mm -hmm. also have the USSD for those people who have feature phones. Mm -hmm. And we have internet banking for our corporates and for the Customers, we have enough data to run internet. It's open to all. So 
we are really trying to ensure that all our transactions or most of our transactions are happening on the digital space in 24-7 without limitation to the branch. So when the clients do come to the branches, they normally would want that personal touch where they have contacts with people. We still have a lot of clients who would want to have a personal contact with people mm-hmm. so that they will understand certain products that we offer, especially the loans products. Yeah, and Lois, I'm floored. You said that 95% of the revenue is coming through digital channels. And I, my experience in the banking sector, in, in Europe at least, is that's phenomenal. The state of digital transformation is, is very, very well advanced. And But I'm curious, in the Zimbabwean market, how does that compare to some of the other banks in, in the market? Is that the yeah, 95% revenue is coming from the online channels? And is that normal in the Zimbabwean market, or are you guys an outlier? This is becoming a norm in the Zimbabwean environment. I think COVID has a lot to do with it because yeah. we we had exponential growth in development to serve our clients during the COVID times because banking never closed. Yeah. Um, we might have closed the banking rules, but people wanted to transact, people wanted to buy their food, people wanted to pay their fees and send their money and buy, pay their bills. So. Banking continued during that time. So our development was actually very, very fast during that time, and uptake was very good as well. Right. Excellent. Yeah, of course, um, COVID changed the, the timeline for a lot of digital transformation initiatives. It, uh, it's no longer a nice to have, but a must-have for survival, I guess. Yep, it did. Yeah. And so looking at, um, you know, as, as the CIO or looking at digital transformation, you guys are, are very far along on, at the bank in that yeah, what technologies or trends are you most excited about? Mm, there are lots of technologies that really excite. Could be blockchain. We are not yet into blockchain, but we are exploring how we could adopt it in the Zimbabwean environment, especially for uh, contracts tracking and and stuff like that. And crypto is is also topical, but. Um, it has not yet been passed by our regulators for adoption, but um, open APIs, open banking is topical at the moment and it's generating quite a lot of interest. We also have biometric authentication because we no longer want your clients to come in and sign documents. So we are looking at them doing biometric um, authentication chatbots. <laughs> Everyone is talking about chatbots and virtual branches and stuff. And that is an addition to our to our bouquet of um, technologies. Personalized banking, uh, we want to use AI to actually try and study how our, our clients are behaving and then offer them products that are targeted at their needs. Robotic process automation is also another one as we try and reduce on labor costs and try mm-hmm. and make sure that we have uh, improved operational excellence within the branch, looking at our workflow processes and seeing where we can automate this. So there's, uh, there's I'm sure, already a very full roadmap and uh, no shortage of new technology to keep it uh, keep it quite full. And maybe uh, kind of going back, you know, before I asked, going, you know, where were you in the digital transformation? Is there an end of the tunnel insight? But I think, as you, as you mentioned, with all these uh, new technologies, whether it's blockchain and uh, for a myriad of different uh, applications or AI or RPA, 
the, the roadmap doesn't, maybe there is no end in sight. Uh, digital transformation is, is a perpetual story, perhaps. What, what do you think, Lace? Is, that the, is there an end to digital transformation or is it the, the perpetual story? I don't think there's an end to digital transformation because situations change, environments change, and every time we have to adapt or we have to think ahead of the situations that are to change upon us and plan ahead. So there is no end, really. It's a cyclical event. Understood. Yeah, great. And looking at, uh, so we have uh, viewers that are you know aspiring to rise in the, the ranks in digital transformation. And maybe I could ask you for some um, kind of insight. So what, you know, for, to succeed in the role of a CIO, what do you think are the, the top skills that are required you know, to be successful as a CIO? Oh. <laughs> I'll look at uh, my journey and then try to relate uh, on how the skills have assisted me to get up to the top there. Uh, one has to be technically an expert. So one has to increase on their knowledge on technologies, stay abreast of emerging technologies and understand them so that they can relate to their situations or environments. One also needs to be a strategic thinker. At this level, the input is more of guiding the strategy. So one has to be really a strategic thinker. It's no longer about the operational levels or just doing one solution that is not going to yield revenue increase to the bank or to an institution, whatever they are employed in. One should be able to lead and manage teams. Leaders come in different forms. One has to adopt a leading strategy that works for them and works for the institution that they are employed in. So one has to be able to study the room and come up with a proper leadership strategy that uh, works for that institution. One should also have astute business acumenship. So they need to understand the business they are in and be able to give IT or technology strategies that work for that business. So one is not just also a technical person, but one should understand the business overall. And one should be able to be a change manager. There's a lot of changes. As we say, it's a cyclical event and uh, there are so many changes that happen. So one should be able to manage change during that time and make sure that the change is for the positivity of the organization. Yeah. Talking about the change management, because it's a common theme we talk about uh, on the podcast, but um, I'd like to maybe drill down a little bit. So when, when you talk about, you know, one must be able to manage change and there's, you know, there's technical parts of that, there's the non-technical and human parts of that. But maybe if you can maybe speak a little bit about your the, the approach that you have for, for change management and uh, for, for change to be successful with your approach for managing change in the organization. Okay. We start off by explaining the reason for the change. You need to get buy-in, stakeholder buy-in for that change. And to get stakeholder buy-in, you need to understand the business. So it it all dovetails from the top. You need to understand the business so that you can explain what the change will bring and engage all stakeholders at all different levels. By the time you bring in the change, there must be that anticipation for the change so that you have an easier road or a smoother turnover to the new product or new development that you are offering. In that way, you you manage the individuals that um, normally would resist the changes. 
And you also need to involve your risk departments so that they also understand your risk and audit departments need to also understand what the change is all about. Because in most cases, you will find a retrogressive step coming in from the auditors who may not have been part of the initiation of the change. They're not understanding why processes or procedures have changed. So we involve them from the word go. Yeah, I think that's an important thing that's often overlooked in from a project management perspective. Um, it, it's often a lot focused uh, on you know, the technical aspect of a project and, and the, the, as you were describing, getting other departments, other stakeholders like, like audit involved and bringing you know, the rest of the organization along. But inform, I like what you said, like informing up front about the, the reasons for the change, uh, making sure it's crystal clear for everybody, you know, what is the change about and why are we doing it? And then, yeah, then people, maybe they get excited for the change or they, they, <laughs> they get excited with the anticipation of the new thing. Uh, so, yeah, great advice for, for aspiring CIOs on how to not just implement a project, but how to drive transformation of an organization. And I think that's, um, yeah, that leads to, a sustainable change. And, and Lois, I, I look at your, your background and you've done quite a, 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 yourself and I think the bank as well are involved in uh, sustainable finance and the area of sustainability. Can you say a few words about what does sustainability mean to you and what does it mean to the bank? Sustainability is ensuring that there is a future for whatever products that we offer and for our clients and for the nation as a whole. So we we look at um, the way we offer a service. For instance, we've been doing a lot of printing, generating a lot of paper that is going to waste. We've been looking at replacing our hardware maybe on a cyclical route, not because the hardware is failing, but just because we put in a regulation to say after three years or so, we need to replace our hardware. So now we are looking at ensuring that we use these devices for as long as we can so that we don't congest the waste disposal sectors. And we also understand whom we are giving to dispose of computer equipment, to dispose of batteries, to dispose of paper. And we are trying also to limit the usage of paper, the usage of ink, as these are not sustainable or they are perishable commodities. As the trees get finished for paper, we will end up with no sustainability. The way we support our customers, be it farmers, are we supporting them in a sustainable manner that we are not promoting use of wood in tobacco curing? Are we not uh, supporting use of chemicals and fertilizers? So we try and engage them as well to ensure that uh, their, their activities are sustainable to the nation. They are not using pesticides. We have seen certain birds that actually feed on ticks on animals vanish from the environment. And this is because the farmers have been using chemicals that ultimately kill the birds without them being alerted to it. So we are now involved to that level to ensure that uh, we maintain the ecosystem as natural as possible. Mm -hmm. So that is how it is affecting the bank. And we are saying without sustainability, we may end up with no clients at the end of the day and we will perish. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, great. And does the, does the bank then direct capital like in the form of loans or working capital solutions to customers, whether they're in the agricultural sector or in 
uh, production or some uh, do the bank intentionally in some way direct capital towards the companies that can prove that they have real impact from a sustainability perspective and how they work. So I guess my question is, is the, the bank directing capital towards yes, the sustainability the, initiative? Yes, the bank is directing capital to ensure that the, our customers derive the benefits of sustainability. So if a farmer has, for instance, been using chemicals that we think are not sustainable, we do try and support them by offering them loans to pursue training, to pursue use of natural ways of controlling pests yeah. so that they do not uh, contribute to the perishing of the animals or birds or whatever yeah. it may be. We also look at the way they dispose their, if it could be a waste disposal company, we also try and support them in first ensuring that we give them sorting equipment which could be donated such as sorting bins and ensure that they collect waste already sorted from source. We yeah. do support them in initiatives like that. Right. That's really fascinating to, to work hand in hand with the farmers um, or the businesses in order to uh, see sustainability and, and their actions changing towards a more sustainable future. Now, does the bank do that work directly or do you work with uh, like an ecosystem of partners that help with that? In some cases, we work directly and in some cases, we've got partners. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's- it's fascinating because I think there's there's you know digital transformation of the bank, but there's also a transformation of society and 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 banks like yours that are really taking a leading role in in you know being a cornerstone of uh, changing the way that the society is is functioning and and for yeah you know, I think if I understood well uh, the ambition is that of course it's, it's at a national level there's uh, there's a brighter future ahead and and it's great to see banks that are are taking that that leadership position. Uh, to bring together different actors uh, in order to ensure that uh, practices uh, that are harmful for the environment or, or other, uh, you know, less sustainable practices are disincentivized in a way, which I, I think is a fantastic, uh, fantastic thing that banks can transform themselves into as, as a catalyst for social change and, and sustainability. Yes, I think um, being the only savings bank in the country gives us a, an opportunity to be the champions because we are not competing with anyone in this space. We are just out there to preach sustainability. And as such, the regulators and the government has listened to us and is also embracing. So through ministries, it is also disseminating our desire to ensure that we offer sustainable services. So we are working in tandem with the government and with the regulators as well. Great. All right. And I'm going to come back to the role of a CIO. So we, we've gone uh, on a couple of nice uh, tangents and side, sidebars there. Um, but uh, as I think there's, um, there's often misunderstandings about uh, the role of a CIO. And can you maybe, what, what, what to, in your experience, what do people sometimes or, or commonly misunderstand about the role that you have as the CIO? Okay. Most people think it's just a technology nerd. If I may put it that way, <laughs> they, they do not expect you to understand um, the business. They think you are just going to come in and speak about acronyms and, you know, just be solely technical. That is one misunderstanding that I've met in my environment. They also think it's just uh, limited to the IT department. So when 
discussing business growth or discussing business trajectory, sometimes you may be omitted and just be requested to come in as a service provider to a service where you could have contributed probably in a better way. Yeah, service provider thinking you're only technology person, technology implementation is the only focus on your area and that you have no customer experience uh, role that you can play. You also lack innovation and creativity business always has to tell you what they want. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think but, those were the common misunderstandings that I've come across. Yeah. And I think you, you have, um, um, as you mentioned at the beginning, quite a, a diverse um, uh, and interesting trajectory going from uh, nursing to IT and banking to teaching and, and working in, in the software sector. So I guess when misunderstandings come up, you're, you're, you're really quite well equipped you know, to deal with those based on uh, quite an interesting background. But maybe if I could ask, like, uh, are there at the bank today, are there particular projects that are quite exciting uh, that you'd like to, to mention on the podcast? Yeah, we do have a lot of projects we are embarking on and uh, which are very exciting. For instance, is the RPA. We are adopting that. And also the virtual banks and virtual assistants. We are also embarking on that and we have uh, started delivering that. We are in a very interesting space at the moment because we are multi-currency environment. Also trying to develop systems that are multi-currency faceted in the sense that a card, one card can carry dual currencies or more than one currency at a time for one client because we don't want to clutter our clients with many cards. And also being able to differentiate between the transaction sets is also quite an interesting project that we have been undergoing. We are also looking at uh, online account opening where customers can open their accounts from home and um, be vetted and verified by the National Registry Organization to ensure that they are bona fide customers. So, yeah, those are the interesting projects that we are embarking on at the moment. Yeah. And um, so the the podcast is going to be live in in a couple of weeks. Is there any shout out to people in, in Zimbabwe that, uh, you know, are there any events or, or new launches that you would like them to uh, to take a look at? Oh, yes, definitely. They should watch out for our virtual branches, which we are going to be launching pretty soon. Even the virtual assistants, which are also coming up on board as well. Yeah. Um, I think as the oldest bank probably in the country, we have been known to lag behind in technology, but now they should watch out for us hitting the market first with those. Yeah, great. So you heard it here. Everyone who's listening to the podcast, uh, what, keep your eyes open for the, the virtual branches and virtual assistants uh, that are going to make your life a lot more, your banking services a lot more accessible and a lot more personalized. But uh, unfortunately, that's about all we're going to have time to cover for today. But before we wrap up, if people want to follow along what's happening at the bank or research you're doing or, or the work you're doing, uh, where's the best place for them to go? Our website is always available 24-7-365, which is <laughs> www.posb.co.zw. All right. We have our presence as well on uh, the most common social media platforms where we keep updates going on what is happening in the bank. That is on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. All right. On Twitter Amazing. as well. 
Perfect. So there's no no shortage of ways to to keep up to date on what's happening at the POSP. Thank you so much. It's amazing to have had you on on the podcast. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, our conversation has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, we touched on a lot of really interesting areas. So let's keep in touch. And uh, thank you so much again for joining us for the podcast. Thank you very much for having me again. You have a good evening. Yes, you too, wife. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chief Digital Heroes, brought to you by Settlement, the world's leading blockchain transformation platform. To learn more about Settlement or to access the latest episodes, visit Settlement.com.